Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Up All Night and Are You Afraid of the Dark podcast. My name is Cortland, and with me today is the guy that makes old lady noises, Brandon. How you doing, Brandon? Oh! <laughs> I see you're doing well. <laughs> I'm doing great. That was your excited old lady <laughs> imitation. Yes. Awesome. Here's my angry old lady. Okay. Oh! <laughs> Man, give me an expression. Give me a give me a emotion. Oh, okay. Uh, jealousy. Oh, <laughs> you almost sounded like Tim Allen. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. How are you doing this week, Brandon? I'm doing fine. Oh, that's good. Did you do anything awesome this week? God damn it! No, of course not. Okay. Is anyone doing anything awesome? Mm, no, not even anybody is doing anything awesome. Right. The world I feel sucks. Like right everybody now, is so finally no. on my level now, and all it took was a global <laughs> pandemic. Yeah. Right. Well, keep everybody at home. Keep everybody bored. <laughs> Whatever. I'm enjoying myself. So, you know, um, our. Our season finale wrap-up episode came out this week, and in it, you say that you like hamburgers more than tacos. Mm-hmm. Did you eat any hamburgers or tacos this week? I actually had hamburgers for dinner today. Today? <laughs> today. Like, hours ago. I knew it. <laughs> and as I was eating it, I was like, this is so much better than a taco. Oh, no, you were not. Yeah, I really wasn't. I wish I had tacos. <laughs> You're ridiculous. So I um I think I edited this part out into in jagged sign. So if you want to know what I'm talking about, become a patron and <laughs> listen to the bloopers. But you remember last week when I told you there was a bee in my room? Yeah. Is it still there? Okay. It was it's a fly. <laughs> but it's oh. like this really big fly. <laughs> and it's super slow and it just kinda of bumbles around and stuff. And I actually uh, kinda of like this fly. It's the bumbling. Yeah, well, my son, it was in the bathroom for a while. Like, it couldn't leave the bathroom because, I don't know, it just wouldn't fly out of it. But it was just chilling, you know, sitting in the sink or whatever. And my son was like, it left the bathroom last night. And my son was like, where's where's the fly? <laughs> he's just a member of the family now. Yeah, he, I told him he's our third pet. <laughs> <laughs> but just this morning... Before I called you on Skype, he was the the uh, the fly was in this room, like bumping into stuff or whatever, and I I finally got it to go outside, so it's gone now. So that was my week. It was <laughs> Sounds great. Full of exciting adventures and new best friends and <laughs> fateful flies here suck. <laughs> goodbyes. <laughs> well, they probably bite, right? <laughs> they don't bite, but I mean. They're like mosquitoes, except for they only want to go on your face. Oh, do you have the ones that go, like, into your eyes? That try to yes. kill themselves into your eyes? Oh, those are the they ones. go in your eyes, they go up your nose, they try to go in your mouth and your ears. <laughs> They're like, eat me, absorb me into your body. I want to be in you. <laughs> I hate those flies so much. Yeah. My mom and my stepdad have a cottage, and if you go there at the wrong time of the year, which is pretty much all the time, there's these little gnats that dive bomb your eyes so that you just like eat them <laughs> into your just body. Have no choice. Yeah, it's the worst. It's the worst. Yeah, that sucks. And I couldn't live with that if it was if it was that way all the time. I mean, that's the the like plus and the minus of owning a cottage. Yeah. So, did you do anything this week? No, stop asking me. I can't. I can't help it. This is my only time to talk to you. I literally woke up, went to work, came home, went to sleep. That's a lie. You ate a hamburger, too. God damn it. I knew you were going to call me out. I <laughs> ate a hamburger, okay? It had cheese on it. Uh, there was... So was a cheeseburger. Yes, there was, there was a pickle involved. Oh, snap. Did you guys grill it, or did you fry it? Pan fried. All right, I'm done talking about your hamburger. Do you want to talk Me about too. Are You Afraid of the Dark? Let's talk about tacos. Oh, tacos. So, 
when you make your tacos, do you use your own seasonings or do you use a packet of seasoning powder? Packet. Come on. I ain't got time for all that. <laughs> I know. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I will make my own tortillas. But... No, really? Get out of yeah, here. Yeah, I will. Nuh-uh. You they're, have like a tortilla uh, press? They're incredibly oddly shaped, but they're, yeah, I make them. Interesting. You never made me fucking tortillas, but whatever. <laughs> You grind the corn with your little mortar and pedestal and everything. Pestle. Yeah, do it old world style. <laughs> All right. Do you want to get talking about Are You Afraid of the Dark? I guess. Okay. Well, Brandon and I just got done watching The Tale of Station 109.1. What'd you think about it, Brandon? It was okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was all right. I feel like, that I'm just going to say, Brandon, I feel like this is the tale of the phone police, but done much better. I can see that. Yeah. You were right, though. Like, this is basically the tale of the phone police. <laughs> the tale of the radio police. Exactly. You know, this is one of those episodes that, um, growing up, I didn't really care about. It was, I didn't think it was scary, and I just, I don't know. It played uh, pretty frequently, and I just kind of tuned it out. So, watching it now, I like it more than I did when I was a kid, I guess. It has some good scenes. It's also got slap bracelets. <laughs> well, there you go. 10 out of 10 <laughs> episode. Yeah, right. Slap bracelets are back, by the way. Are they? Oh, my son yeah. has a slap bracelet now that I think about it. Of course he does. They're the shit. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm pretty sure they're just like um, measuring tape inside there. Yeah, that's what I thought when I slapped the most recent slap bracelet around my wrist. Well, not around it. My wrist is too big for a slap bracelet, but... I would love a slap bracelet with, like, a little retractable button, and you hit it, and it goes... Just get measuring tape. Yeah, but that doesn't slap. Yeah, I suppose. Well, do you want to get into this episode? <laughs> sure. Okay. Our episode starts out, and we're looking at Stig, who's got his blindfold on from last episode... And he's sitting down, and he's got a radio on his lap, super big radio. And Gary walks over and takes off the blindfold, and Stig says, This blindfold thing is getting old. I wonder if Frank gave him that radio on his way out. Oh. He's just like, this is yours now, man. You know what? Speaking of Frank, I forgot to ask you. There's the train sound CD still in it. (laughs) I forgot to ask you, do you think we're going to get another Vink story now that Frank's gone? Nope. Vink died with him. Rest in peace to Vink stories, then, I guess. We got a, a good amount of them. He wasn't every single season, so that was pretty great. Yeah. I mean, there is such a thing as too much Vink, I think. <laughs> Vink, I think. You're great. You're a poet and you didn't even know it. Hey, I'm here all podcast. Gary walks past him saying, well, it's do or die time. You get another crack at joining the Midnight Society. And one way or the other, after tonight, you'll never have to wear this again. He walks over to Sam and Kiki, trying to hand Sam her bandana back, and she gets all grossed out, telling him, No way! Burn it! And Kiki adds in that they should bury it, because they don't want any toxic fumes. Okay, so they hate this guy. Yes. He told a great story, let's be honest. Yeah. But they still couldn't agree that he should be in the Midnight Society. So they give him another chance. Mm-hmm. And... He either tells a shit story in which they're all like, yeah, he sucks. Or he tells another great story, and then what does that prove? We already know he can tell good stories. Yeah. If he tells another good story, they just go, well, like, that's two for two? Is it a numbers game? I don't know. It is a popularity contest. It has He's to be still because... going to be a shit person, even if his second story is good. It's weird to me because Frank was, he wasn't that great either. Like, I mean, he was trying to steal Kristen away from poor, sweet, innocent David. I don't know. That doesn't make sense to me, man. Just let him loose. They don't need five members. Wait, hold on. No, they really don't. Betty Ann can just tell all the stories. Yeah, we haven't had a Betty Ann yet. Maybe soon. We cut over to Stig, who says, Hey, if I don't get a fair shot, I'm out of here. And he stands up to leave, but Tucker rushes over to say, No, wait, you got a chance. And he looks over at Gary and Betty and saying, Right? 
and Gary nods saying, don't worry, we'll be fair. Betty Ann requests Stig to tell his story, and we get some bulk and skull kind of music, and Stig sits back down, and we cut over to Sam and Kiki, and Sam picks up a smaller radio asking what they needed this shit for anyway. Back to Stig, he tells her it's for a demo, and then addresses everyone telling them all to tune into their favorite station, and when he says go, to turn them all on. I don't think that they would get, like, that many radio stations in the woods, though, would they? I guess it's probably just Gary's backyard, huh? So we ki- we see the kids, they're all adjusting their radios to their station of choice. Then Stig counts to three and says go, and they all turn their radios on, and there's just, like, a loud blast of a bunch of different music and talking, and Tucker is jamming on that radio. <laughs> He's banging on that boombox like a monkey <laughs> to that gibberish sound. <laughs> It's pretty great. <laughs> Stig screams for them to turn it off, and they all do, and Kiki asks what was what it proved, and Stig says, Every second, every day, there are tons of invisible radio signals flying all around us. Kiki's all, yeah, so? And Stig says, so, with all those invisible signals, there's no way to tell that maybe hidden somewhere in the static, there might be a signal coming from someplace we never thought of. Betty Ann asks, like, where? And Stig says, like, maybe beyond the grave. And I just thought, man, that was a lot of words that you just used. It was a lot of words, and it was also a lot of setup and prep work. All those people had to bring a radio into the woods. Like, some of those yeah. people probably rode in on their bikes, carrying <laughs> a radio, yeah, trudging it through those woods, walking for blocks, and for what? To play it for five seconds and then be like, wow, radios play sound, guys. Radios really are the scariest thing. (laughs) Now we gotta carry this back. (laughs) Well, that riles the kids up and they look all spooked. And Stig says, submit it for the approval of the Midnight Society. I call this story. And Tucker throws in the monkey bone dust. The tale of station 109.1. I guess that, like, his intro makes sense to the story but i don't know just there's a lot of lacks words a, lacks a bit of flair yeah i agree the tale begins and we're looking down over some flowers there's some organ music playing and the camera pans over to a kid lying down he's in like a three-piece suit or whatever and he looks like he's dead which makes sense because the whole thing looked like a funeral home or something to me but mm-hmm. it turns out to be this kid's room we cut over to the radio that's playing the organ music, and a hand shuts the music off. Then it moves over, and it opens up the blinds, telling this kid dinner's ready. She says, dinner's ready, Chris. And the hand, attached to a motherly-looking woman, picks up a sock and whips it at her son's sleeping face, saying, How many times do I have to tell you? Pick up your clothes. He's dead, lady. Give him a break. He's not even sleep. Nobody sleeps like that. He's just, like, I don't know, doing this for his own self-pleasure. I don't get it. Yeah, spoilers, but this kid is a freak. Yeah, he is. Chris sits upright with that classic Dracula-like sound effect. I don't know. That's from Dracula, isn't it? Sure. So the camera looks down at a at some decoration that says Bon Voyage on it, and then we cut to the dinner. <laughs> we cut to dinner, and <laughs> there's some mashed potatoes and ham on his plate, and there's also shrimp for some reason. It's a really weird spread of food. Chris picks up a shrimp, saying, I wonder if anyone's ever been buried alive. And, yes, Chris. Yes, they have been buried alive. And it's terrifying. I feel like a kid cosplaying as dead people and role-playing as a corpse would know exactly the number of people who've been buried alive. And probably the dates and their names. Yeah, I do too. He'd have posters of them in his room. (laughs) Like, they explain a little bit in the episode that, you know, he went to his graveyard and played hide-and-seek once, and now he's all into death and stuff, but, like... Which isn't a thing that happens. No, it's super odd. Nobody does this. The family looks like they are totally over Chris's shit, and he starts burying that shrimp in his mashed potatoes, saying, imagine being in the coffin, having dirt dumped on top. It would be horrible. Okay, I can't imagine a worse way to die. Okay. Yeah, this guy is Corn Wackies. Oh shit! I forgot about Corn Wackies. 
Mom coughs saying, Pass the grave? And Dad gives her a look like she's stupid, and she corrects herself saying, Gravy. I thought that was pretty funny. I guess. I don't know. Grave sounds like gravy. Pour some gravy on that shrimp. The gravy gets passed to Chris's brother and then to the mom. And we see Chris is fashioned a cross out of carrots, and he pushes that into his mashed potato graveyard. The scene cuts, and now we're looking at a grasshopper and a gigantic glass container. This thing is bigger than this kid's head. And Chris has it up to his face saying, I wonder how long it could survive in there. And then we teleport across the street from Chris, <laughs> and Chris's brother's face pops into frame, and he says, What a cheesehead. And then leaves. <laughs> For one second. Yeah. I think we should look at the characters we got so far. Does that sound good to you? Sure, a couple of nobodies. Oh, yeah, right. First up, we got Chris. He's played by Zachary Carlin, who hasn't been in much else, but did play Ricky Beamer in the Goosebumps episode Calling All Creeps. And he also is credited for singing Mary Had a Little Lamb in that episode. That's cool. So he had a pretty good career. Yeah, he's doing it. (laughs) Next up is Chris's brother, whose name is Jamie. And he is played by Ryan Gosling. Who? <laughs> I feel like what Ryan Gosling in? is pretty much a household name. Oh, well, he was in a Goosebumps episode called Say Cheese and Die. All right, so they're the same. Next. He played Hercules in Young Hercules for a couple of years. And he was nominated for Best Actor in Half Nelson. He played Sebastian in La La Land, Noah in The Notebook. He's done a lot of things. All right. Well, good on you, Ryan. Yeah. He makes some funny faces in this episode. Oh, he's got a very expressive face. <laughs> the mother is played by Anne Roy. Do you recognize this woman? No, she's in it for like three seconds. Yeah, well, I didn't know that when I looked on IMDb, okay? <laughs> but she's also in nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's good for now, so I sh- let's move on. The scene changes, and now we're seeing this mechanic working on a car... Up walks Jamie, and this mechanic starts talking shit about his brother, saying that he's strange. And Jamie hands him a party needs or something, talking about how his brother was playing Capture the Flag in a big old graveyard with some of his dork friends. And it must have been real creepy because all he talks about is graves and funeral homes and stuff. And the mechanic says it's weird and he's a poor kid, but Jamie's like, poor kid? He's deranged. And the mechanic, Sid is his name, and IMDb recommends that he does something to snap him out of it. So Jamie gets this stupid-ass look on his face, and he smirks, and he's walking away as we get some creepy organ music. It is the silliest Grinch smile. Yeah, it's ridiculous. (laughs) Ryan Gosling is one of those names that I know of, but I've never really watched any of the movies that he's in. So, does he... Have you? Like, does he make these faces in his, his, like, La La Land, and... No, I feel like the movies I have seen him in, he's very quiet and non-expressive. Hmm. So he can grow. He can do nothing. He's a pretty dope young Hercules, though. I've never seen young Hercules, but now I want to. (laughs) He taps a hearse or something, and then he keeps walking. This mechanic, like I said, his name is Sid, but I don't think they ever give him a name, because this is the last time we see him, and I didn't know that at the time either. He's played by Jason Cavalier who has been in a lot of stuff, mostly as a stunt person. Hmm. He's done stunts in a lot of the X-Men movies. He coordinated stunts in video games like Far Cry 3, Assassin's Creed Origin, and Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Breakpoint. Cool. Yeah, he's credited for a lot of stunts. I didn't write down most of them. (laughs) Doing people justice is not he's most known for Sid the Mechanic. (laughs) Sid, in quotes, the mechanic. Because we don't know if his name's Sid. I don't think they even say it, which is fine. So back to the show, now we're in Chris's room, and he's playing on his computer. In the doorway, Jamie's standing, and he asks Chris what he's playing, and Chris says, hey man, and Jamie walks closer saying, you didn't see what was in the parking lot this morning, and Chris says no, Jamie tells him that it was a hearse, and Chris whips his head over saying no, and Jamie smiles saying yeah, and it came back from a funeral, and Chris gets excited saying no way, and we get a close up of Jamie's face, and he smiles saying way and then he lifts up the keys to the hearse so we caught and now we're outside at night and the two boys are running up to the hearse and chris gets to it first looking at the windows saying cool i wonder how many bodies have been in here and jamie tells them to come over here to check this shit out so chris does and in the back of the hearse jamie opens up the door and the kids look inside and he tells his brother to try it out for size because there was a dead guy in there this afternoon 
And Chris Ooh. excitedly climbs in. It's very exciting. You just don't understand, okay? I guess. I'm missing out. Well, Chris excitedly climbs in saying, how cool is this? And Jamie tells him to lie down and make himself at home. And we look in the empty hearse and Chris does just that. <laughs> he, just, he just lays down in the back of it. And Jamie closes the door and it looks like he's locking it. And we see Chris just laying there like a dead body. And Jamie pulls out a car battery and jumper cables. And we cut back to Chris, still laying there. And now he's saying, here lies Chris Leary, dearly departed. Back with Jamie. He connects the jumper cables to the battery. Back with Chris. He says, may he rest in peace. And Jamie finishes connecting the cables, which sparks the hearse to life somehow. And Chris jumps up saying, whoa. And the radio is on. And the windshield wipers are going. And it's honking its horn for some reason. And outside, Jamie's laughing. And inside... Chris tries to get out the back, but it's locked. All right. Excuse my lack of car knowledge, but is that at all how cars work? No. The The worst that would happen is that the windshield wipers would be going and the radio would be on. It wouldn't be honking and, like, you know, jiggling and stuff. But also, you can't just hotwire the car by using jumper cables like that. Like, you, somebody had to be in there to turn the ignition, so... No. Yeah, I heard the ignition turning. Yeah. So, no, this is not possible. All right. Calling shenanigans on this Are You Afraid of the Dark episode. I know. It took you right out of the episode right here. The laws of the natural world. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Your suspense of disbelief or whatever is just taking you right out of this episode. You're lost focus. Nothing else matters. I hear you. He yells for Jamie to get him out of there, banging on the windows, but Jamie laughs, saying, Hey, man, would you quiet down? You'll wake the dead. And Chris looks around for a way out, and then he jumps to the front seat. <laughs> he, he turns the key in the ignition to shut the car off, then sighs with relief in the front seat. What was the plan here? What was Jamie trying to accomplish? I guess he was just going to try to prank his brother, but... He's going to be like, whoa, the car came to life, so now you hate dead things. I don't know. Like He doesn't seem like he's a mean brother, so it doesn't make much sense. And also, he's the only one that is there to enjoy this prank, so that really is not a point. It's just set up for the rest of the episode. All right. Well, my suspension of disbelief is broken anyway, so whatever. <laughs> we look down at the radio, and it starts tuning the station on its own, going past the limit of 108. And a voice comes on the radio saying, This is 109.1 radio for our, the dimensionally challenged. And another voice comes on saying, sometimes you miss a chance to step over and need guidance. That's where we come in, friends. All you need to do is follow my voice and I'll help you find the way home. Outside with Jamie, he laughs a little and starts walking away, but is stopped by an old man in a suit who asks if he can help him. And Jamie's like, huh? And the old man asks if he can help him find his way home. So Jamie raises his hand saying, sorry, no, and walks around this old guy. And we look at the radio in the car for a moment and then back with the old man and he disappears like a ghost. Because he is a ghost. This guy's always a ghost. It's old man Corcoran. So this old ghostly man is Giles. It's old man Corcoran. Corcoran. God damn it. Corcoran. Cor- Corcoran. Every time I say it on the live videos, I get it right. But oh well, whatever. We cut to inside a house or something. Chris is fiddling with a different radio. And he gets back to station 109.1 somehow. Which doesn't make sense to me. But whatever. And we hear the same voice on the radio saying, Now, back to our program. The topic is death and dying. What's the next step? As I was saying earlier, and blah, blah, blah. And we see Jamie walking into the room, and he changes the station on the radio, asking how it's going, Hearst boy. And Chris gets upset, saying that he was listening to that. But Jamie tells him that it's 4 o'clock, chumpy, and you know I never miss Clark and Ryan. (laughs) Oh, man. Is there anyone in the 1990s who was like, oh, I gotta turn into my radio program. No, the last <laughs> the last instance that I remember of somebody being excited to listen to a radio program was in A Christmas Story, when they want to listen to Little yeah, Orphan it's like Annie. Lone Ranger shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not that much different than somebody listening to a podcast, though, I guess, right? It's way different. Yeah, we don't come out at 4 p.m. on demand. <laughs> true, true. So Jamie takes a seat and he grabs an apple and Chris leaves the room saying, fine, do what you want. Jamie turns to call after him saying, don't be mad that he was just trying to get you to lighten up. So lighten up. And he takes a bite of the apple and he looks at it for a moment and then the scene changes. And now 
we're at a computer screen at perhaps the first ever website. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like it. It's radiospace.com slash welcome.html. And it is absolutely archaic. What is this? 1995? Did they yeah. even have internet back then? I guess they did, right? Yeah, like AOL. This kid is very up. lucky to have the internet. Chris clicks a button and enters in a search for station 109.1, but the website tells him that there's no station currently assigned to it, which Chris says out loud. So he slowly clicks on last known search, which tells him that the last known entry for 109.1 was 63 East 9th Street, Center City. And Chris is all bingo. He writes that shit down as the scene fades. Now we're outside during the day, and we see Chris walking around the street of some brick buildings. I find this all way too much work. It's a lot. If you just hear a radio station that's like a little bit weird or whatever, I would go, huh. And that would be the end of it. Yeah. He's now out on an adventure, <laughs> who knows how far from home, on his own, to find this radio station. He's like doing real detective work. <laughs> It reminds me of Beetlejuice mixed with the Tale of the Phone Police. This is exactly oh, what happened in the so Phone Police. so much Beetlejuice. Yeah. This happened in Phone Police where whatever the hell the... Jake was like, oh, gotta find out where this phone headquarters is at. It's the same thing. No, you don't. You don't need to do that at all. No, you just ignore it. Play your Super Nintendo. <laughs> He's got the power of the internet. <laughs> I mean, there wasn't a lot to do on it back then, but, like... I guess if you've got the internet, you might as well go look for phantom radio stations. Why not? So, this kid, he goes outside, and he is dressed all in black, and he's looking around, and he's stopped by some old lady with an awesome red hat on. Did you see that hat? That hat was awesome. It was a dope hat. So cool. And there's another three old people in dress clothes behind her. And she says, excuse me, do you know the way home? And Chris is all, uh, sorry, no. So the old lady walks past him and the other oldies follow. And they're moving with their hands up like they're about to walk into an invisible wall or something. And we cut to Chris who's walking down the street. And we see some old beat up car. And he walks past it and runs up to a door that has radio 109.1 station on the side of it. So he knocks and then he opens the door and walks right in. Inside, he opens up another door, and he looks around, and there's some older people there, there's some younger people, but they're all dressed in dress clothes. And a voice over the loudspeaker calls for number, well, they they don't say it like this, but it's number 3,948,279,819,819. It's a big number. Yeah. The people look at their watches, which I assume they were watches at the time. It's actually slap bracelets. <laughs> They look at their slap about bracelets. The same thing. Yeah, right. They look at their slap bracelets, and an older lady walks up and heads to the counter, where there's a line of just a couple of people waiting. So Chris walks past a group of three people sitting on a bench with a sign above them that says "No Noise," and he walks up to those uh, people standing in the line and goes up to the guy in the first spot, saying, "Excuse me, is this the radio station?" But the guy doesn't respond, so Chris goes up to the desk, then looks back and says, "Oh, I'm not trying to cut it. I just want to ask a question." So he knocks on the window in front of him that says, do not knock on the window, and out pops Gilbert fucking Gottfried. <laughs> yeah. I know that, like, I'm sure you've seen that in the opening credits that it was, you know, like, oh. It's literally the first thing. Yeah. I was like, damn it. Why did they do that? Now Brandon's not going to be surprised when Gilbert Gottfried pops out. No, I spent the whole episode like, where's Gilbert Gottfried? He's <laughs> one of these old people. <laughs> <laughs> So the rest of this episode is just screaming. <laughs> Which is great. He does a good job, yeah. Gilbert Gottfried is the best part of this episode. He's pretty amazing in this episode. He is the Bobcat Goldthwait of this season. Yeah, yeah, he They is. just love comedians with novelty voices. He screams. Do not knock on the window! What's the matter with you? You can't breathe? Here, knock window. Do not on the... Let's try it together. Shall we? Do not knock on the window! I actually thought that that was a legitimately funny bit. It was It was really good. I wonder how much they just let him just be Gilbert it. Godfrey. I bet you that they let him be the Gilbert Godfrey the whole episode. It's yeah. I like this bit because it's quick and it's good and it's pretty funny. He does it very seamlessly. 
He makes it work. Chris tries to say, but, but Gilbert Godfrey <laughs> stops him saying that this is an interesting phenomena that's taking place. It's like one person, and then there's another one behind them, all standing quietly, one after the other. How do you suppose that is? And Chris is all, uh, and Gilbert, whose character's name is Roy, by the way, screams, it's a line. That's what it is. It's a line. Why don't you try waiting in the line? And he slams his little window closed, and then he immediately opens up and Opens it up and smiles all sweetly, saying, next. <laughs> oh, it's great. I love it. I do, too. These are the parts of the episode that I like. The Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> the parts where he's just being Gilbert Gottfried. Yeah. The rest of the episode, eh. yeah. But this is legitimately great. I mean, I'm, I want to listen to the Clark and Ryan show, but... I don't really that. even get a chance to hear the Clark and Ryan show. So major biggest whip. wasted opportunity. <laughs> hey there everybody, Cortland here, your good buddy and your Clark and Ryan guest host. Thank you so much for taking a listen to the show. If you're new here, welcome. And if you're a returning fan, welcome back. Our Patreon has been updated to include more tiers and more bonuses. This week, we've started up a whole new bonus episode type called Quick Frights, where we give a short and sweet review of some of your favorite horror video games and movies. Our first episode covers the original 1996 Resident Evil game, and I really think you're going to love it. On top of that, you'll get instant access to early release episodes, bloopers, book readings, and more exclusive content. I'd like to take a moment to thank our current patrons, the Silver Goths, Shane, and newest patron Steven, and the Platinum Bostics, Bryce, Kathy, and Carly. Thank you so much, everyone. Our show wouldn't be the same without you. If you're looking to support the show in another way, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and help us get back on top of the charts for TV reviews. We've been as high as number 50, and I would love to get some more exposure for the show. If you know anyone who would love to laugh with us every week, let them know about Up All Night. We create a lot of content for social media that truly enhances our show and the whole Up All Night experience. Every week we make new videos, GIFs, memes, and so much more for everyone to enjoy. So give a follow on Instagram at Private Island Presents and on Twitter at PRVT Island for a whole new level of Are You Afraid of the Dark fun. We also frequently do live watch parties on our Instagram, so be sure to follow us there. For a link to all of our socials, the Patreon, Facebook group, and so much more, take a look down below at the episode description and click on the Linktree link. We are always taking questions for our season wrap-up episodes, so if you have any questions for me or for Brandon about podcasting, about the show, or anything else, please send them our way. You can get a hold of us on any of the social media accounts, as well as through email at privateislandpresents at gmail.com. I'd like to take a moment to thank the Benevolent Badger for his work on the music for our show, aside from this theme, Dating Start from Undertale, composed by Toby Fox. I'd also like to thank Brandon for his work on the artwork. Now I'd like to play the promo for a podcast called Grief Burrito that covers all the latest in gaming, technology, film, and more. I'm Harrison. And I'm Jordan. And, and we're, we're the Grief Burrito Podcast. Why don't I want to play any of these games? <laughs> ah, bump, huh. <laughs> comedy, gaming, and movies. I was going to say two kids in a trench coat, but it's going to be two men in a moth suit. <laughs> All I've got is the image of you putting a net over him. Jordan! Jordan, bigger net! Bigger net! <laughs> that was the Salvador? No, the bag- guy with the bag on his head. That's how you and name. Just agree. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Could have been like, man with bag on his head. Sarah. Yes. <laughs> Hi, it's me. Ah, I'm back. My beard's gone. He's Look how short his face is. Fucking stop it. Tiny face! <laughs> It looks like if a tumor had legs. Yeah, it does. They're real gross and big hands. Yeah. Do you reckon you could kill it? I reckon I could. Not you personally. But well, you, have you said you think I could kill it. Why don't fucking laugh? Help me. <laughs> me tit. No, you're right. Yeah, yeah. you can't say tit. <laughs> Bashed me tit. <laughs> Join us every Wednesday on the Grief Burrito Podcast. Fuck. No, <laughs> no, 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 that was, that was <laughs> Thanks again, everyone, for listening in. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Well, Chris walks back up to the window saying, is is this a radio station? And Roy growls out, ah, never mind, come on. And he closes the window and walks over to this doorway screaming, look, maybe you got an attorney, but how about a schedule? 
You don't need to say screaming. It's implied. Oh, yeah. Well, if I do, I can't help it. It's what I wrote down. So Chris slowly walks over to the doorway that has a plaque on it saying, Do not stand in front of the door. And he walks through following Roy. And he goes to close the door and Roy slaps a slap bracelet on him. And Chris asks what it is and Roy reads from some rule book saying, The candidate shall be relieved from all that binds him or her to the physical world. That's what the bracelet does. And this is the part where it gets very, very Beetlejuice. I mean, besides the waiting room. The waiting room is very Beetlejuice. Yeah. Beetlejuice did something very unique. You can't top it. Chris looks at it and Roy says, Now, why don't you wait outside and step through when your number's called? And Chris asks, Step through what? Look, I better go home. And Roy's like, You are home. You're going home to the next life. Chris is like, Next life? But I'm not done with this life yet. And Roy mockingly says, Oh, really? Now, where did you hear about us? And Chris steps forward saying, From the radio in the hearse. And Roy complains saying, Oh boy, a pain in my ass. And he lifts up his clipboard looking for hearse and says, Here, here, Carpenter. Daniel James Carpenter buried this afternoon. Ah, oof. Missed that crossover point by a long shot. What's the matter? You stayed with the hearse too long? Well, that happens. And Chris yells out, But I'm not dead. And I'm not the Carpenter guy. There's been a mistake. And Roy looks at his clipboard saying, You know something? You're absolutely right. There's been a terrible mistake. Now I'm going to work out this mistake, but in the meantime, why don't you wait outside, and when your turn comes up, step through this door. (laughs) A voice over the loudspeaker calls out another number, and the two look around and they listen, and Roy calls out from the room saying, Hey, uh, pick up the pace, pal. We don't have all century. And in walks an older gentleman in a suit who's yelling, No! No, you're mistaken! I'm not supposed to go! And two faceless dudes in black robes pop out of nowhere, like literally two goddamn dementors come and take him away yeah Yeah, they grab that old man and he's screaming about them making a mistake and they carry him over to this crazy spooky looking door that has like skulls and stuff adorned in it it looks like it was designed by hr geeker it's amazing i love it i love it it's so cool looking it opens up i want that door in my house (laughs) just maybe to go to the bathroom (laughs) okay It opens up in this blinding white light. Roy and Chris are watching, and Roy says he led a nasty life. And the old guy gets pushed into the open door, and it closes as Roy says he's going to lead a much nastier afterlife. And Roy looks over at Chris, telling him to step outside. His turn is coming up. And then he laughs a whole bunch. God, I would hate to have my fate decided by Gilbert Godfrey. (laughs) He'd be like, you fool! (laughs) (laughs) Be like, ah... Hey, Gilbert, what's going on? You're going to hell! Oh, shit. (laughs) I like you in Aladdin. (laughs) I feel like Gilbert Gottfried needs no introduction, but in case you don't know him, he's the voice of Iago in Aladdin. He's been doing the voice of Digit in Cyber Chase since 2002, which is still going on, and he's appeared in a ton of other roles and commercials, including the Affleck Duck. I feel like it's impossible not to know who he is, though. So, yeah. Unless you're a newborn baby, somehow listening to this podcast, you know who Gilbert Godfrey is. Probably from this episode. That's what he's most known for. It's what everybody's most known for. That Ryan Gosling kid, Giles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All from this episode. It's got an all-star cast, except for Chris. Maybe that old woman with the hat. <laughs> Everybody else, though? A-list celebrities. Back in the episode, we see Chris running outside and to his house. He opens up the door, yelling, is anybody home? And he runs into his room asking if Jamie's there, which it looks like he isn't. So Chris sighs, and he tries to take off the snap bracelet. When in pops Jamie, who nods his head. And Chris gets up saying, Jamie, look, I'm still ticked off at you, but I gotta tell you something really weird. And Jamie sits down at the computer or whatever, ignores his brother, gets up, and then walks away as Chris calls out, Oh, come on, this is serious. And he chases after his brother to the kitchen saying, The radio station in the hearse, I went there. There's all these strange people hanging around. I think they're all dead. And during this time, Jamie is ignoring his brother. He picks up the phone and he dials out. And Chris begs him not to ignore him. But Jamie starts talking on the phone saying, Hey, Ron, what's up, man? And Chris in the background is just, he's just like pacing back and forth talking. 
and he's still screaming about how it wasn't normal and the radio station and the dead guys and it's going to cross over in next life or something. And Jamie's talking, saying, nah, I don't think I'm going to work on the hearse for a while. This whole scene is a little confusing to talk about. There's two completely different conversations going on this whole time. Chris asks if he heard what he said and these things drag you to the door. It's all screaming coming from the other side. And, and Jamie asks Ron if he's going to listen to Clark and Ryan. I like to think he's just talking to Ron Oil. That's what I thought. I was hoping that's what it was. This episode is directed by Ron Oliver. Okay, okay. I was going to look and see if it was. I'm assuming that he is talking to Ron Oliver, too. And Chris continues, they stick this bracelet on you and it kind of feel a little lighter. And he says it's the first step. And Jamie on the phone says, you crazy? I never miss Clark and Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) I'm probably going to listen on the radio in the hearse. Even though I just said I wasn't going to work on it. Chris screams out, forget Clark and Ryan, listen to me. And he slaps his hand through his brother's face saying, oh man, you can't see me. It's this thing. And he tries to rip the snap bracelet off his wrist, but he can't get it. And he gets hysterical saying, I'm not moving. I'm staying right here. Mom. And then he runs out of the room into the next room. And he opens up the door and walks in and it's the fucking waiting room. The door closes behind him, and I thought that was awesome. That was cool. But what do you think that whole thing was? Did he actually escape the waiting room? Did they let him leave the waiting room? <laughs> I think Gilbert Godfrey's just fucking with him. <laughs> you think he's just fucking with him? Because yeah. if you can leave the waiting room, why would anyone stay in the waiting room? I don't know. So he just let him out for a little bit, and then was like, Alright, come back, and just... I think he, so. All those doors he can just make go wherever? Mm, yeah. How much power does Gilbert have here? Uh, the power over life and life and death itself. <laughs> Is Gilbert Godfrey God? No. <laughs> He's not. <laughs> Are you sure? No, I can never be sure. But I think he's like, I don't know. He's like Santa Claus for dead people. <laughs> determines if they're naughty or nice and then uh, sentences them to life and awesome or you know horrible agony no big deal and can also teleport them around the world yeah do you think this is the only office (laughs) i hope not i hope not too the voice over the loudspeaker calls out another number ending in 855 the people look at their bracelets and another guy stands up and walks over to stand in line and we get a look at Chris's bracelet, and that ends in 865. So Chris panics, saying, lose this. And he opens up the door, and he runs out, and it leads him right back into the same waiting room. He goes to open the door again, but it looks like it's locked now, maybe, or maybe he just knows what's going to happen, so he doesn't open it up. So he runs over past the line of people waiting and opens up another door, and inside he looks over at yet another door. <laughs> That has a red light shining through the tinted window. So he passes by a sign that says, do not smoke, and slowly makes his way to the red door. And he opens it up, he looks inside, and he sees a room with a record player, a microphone, and a red light. I thought it was going to be hell, but... That would be cool. I'd like to see what the Are You Afraid of the Dark version of hell is. (laughs) I assumed it was going to be, you know, Brimstone, Inferno, and, you know, the huge... But nah, it's just a recording place for a podcast. What's the difference? (laughs) (laughs) From behind him is Roy, who pushes him aside saying, out of my way, I'm on the air. And he walks over and he sits on his chair and then he points and yells at Chris saying, you can't come in here unless you're in the union. Then he grumbles, he flips a switch and that lights a sign up saying on air. And then he gets close to the microphone and says, in the not so Gilbert Gottfried voice that we heard in the hearse, we're on the air live. Speak, this is station 109.1, at the end of your radio dial, for spirits at the end of their ropes. And he flips the switch, looking at Chris and says, I made that up. And he laughs a bunch, and then he flips the switch again, and he gets in posture, saying, We're here to help all of those lost souls who missed the boat. If you didn't cross over at the time of your death, then we're here to help. Don't roam the earth forever. It's time to move on to the next life. And we hear the lady over the loudspeaker call out another number as Roy turns his record back on, And that says, you know, it's 109.1 for the Dimensionally Challenged, whatever. Chris calls out. He says, Mister, you gotta listen to me. And Roy's like, it's Roy. The name's Roy. So Chris calls out, Roy, you got the wrong guy. We cut back to Roy who says, boy, if I had a dime for every time somebody tried to weasel out of death, it'd actually do me no good at all because I'm dead. Why do I need money for? I'm dead. What am I gonna do? Buy gum? (laughs) It's another good line. It was pretty good, yeah. 
Chris yells, but you're making a mistake. And Roy stands up screaming, I don't make mistakes. I guess I do put it that he stands up screaming. He just screams. He does. He screams every line. Every line. It's just what he does. And it works for him. I like it. Gets on a lot of people's nerves, but I think it's funny. Did you ever see Problem Child? No. Okay. That was probably... Is Gilbert Gottfried in it? Yeah. Is he, he one of the children? No. <laughs> he's in both of them. Well, actually, there's three, but he's in the first two. Perhaps the third. I don't know. I've never seen it. But there's also an animated an animated TV show of Problem Child that I never knew existed until I looked up Gilbert Gottfried on IMDb. Okay. Fun fact. you know who else is in Problem Child? Who? Kramer from Seinfeld. Weird. Yeah, he's the villain. Well, actually, everybody's the villain except for the problem child himself. He grabs Chris saying, buddy boy, when I was alive, I worked for the Department of Motor Vehicles. <laughs> Which is really funny because everybody hates the DMV. So That's the joke. <laughs> I like that a lot. <laughs> like, these are the jokes that no kid cares about, but when you're older, you get to appreciate. The loudspeaker calls out another number, and the two look up at the speaker, and then Royce looks back down at Chris saying, Ever wonder where the term your number's up came from? Chris looks like he doesn't, but Roy says, Well, now you know. A door bursts open and an older guy runs through screaming that they made a mistake and you got the wrong guy. And from behind him, through the doorway, steps those black hooded figures again. And they grab the dude and they pull him back through the door. And back over with Roy and Chris, Roy says, Everybody's got a story. And he playfully pinches and slaps Chris's cheek and then rocks away. And Chris looks at the watch on his wrist saying, Four o'clock. Clark and Ryan, what frequency are they on? And he runs into Roy's radio station room, sits at the desk, and he starts fucking around with the equipment saying, Come on, Jamie, be there. Is that how radio equipment works? If you have it, you can I just I was take wondering over. the same thing. <laughs> you can just, like, tune your station to be over another person's station. Yeah. I mean, everybody who's anybody listens to Clark and Ryan. Yeah. The world stops. Everyone watches... Start beeping. It's Clark and Ryan time. Yeah, four o'clock. It's Clark and Ryan time. Maybe we can unlock the power to overtake a radio station, too. I don't know. Let's just put our podcast over the Super Bowl. Just mm. tune it just right. That might give us a couple of one-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> oh, no. We cut over to Jamie, who's working on the hearse when his watch alarm goes off, and he hops inside. He turns on the radio and starts listening to the Clark and Ryan show, and the camera pans over to the speakers in the hearse, and we hear Chris call out, Hey, Jamie, this is Chris. Man, I hope you're listening to this. And we see Jamie get confused and look around, and Chris says he's trapped at the radio station. They think I'm dead, and they're going to make me go to the afterlife. And Jamie looks around the hearse and says, Say what? (laughs) I love how he says that. Say what? <laughs> Anytime anybody in the show says, say what? I'm just going to do it like Frank, you know. Just pour one out for Frank. Miss you, buddy. Chris pleads more saying, this isn't a joke. They think I'm some guy named Carpenter. Daniel Carpenter, you got to help me, Jamie. I've already been home once, but you couldn't see me. Man, this kid talks. Jamie, thinking this is a joke, gets up saying, okay, nice try. I'm not falling for it. And he gets out of the hearse and bumps into that old man from before, a.k.a. Giles. And he says, can you take me home? I have to feed the hounds. I'm Daniel Carpenter. Jamie laughs, smacks him on the arm saying, sure you are, bud. Which, from Jamie's perspective, this is a pretty good elaborate joke, right? Yeah. Well done. He's overtaken the radio. He bought somebody, some old man to come and scare him it's great way better than like making a car come to life with magic exactly he turns around and he takes a few steps and he says so how much did my brother pay you and when he turns around daniel's gone and then jamie turns around to walk away again but he bumps back into daniel who screams please help me and jamie (laughs) jamie runs the fuck away from that you really have no choice if you're just gonna materialize in front of me constantly you know that's what he does we see jamie run And he skips over his hedge as we get a Dutch angle of his house. And inside, he runs to the kitchen. He grabs the phone, punching in a number. It rings as he paces back and forth until he bumps into Daniel Carpenter again. Jamie screams and runs as Daniel looks over to him saying, You have to help me! No, I don't! (laughs) I know, he doesn't at all. (laughs) Seriously. 
Jamie runs into Chris's room and he slams the door. He walks over to the computer, which still has the website displayed, giving the address for the radio station. From behind Jamie pops Daniel Carpenter, who says, please don't run away. I need help. And so does your brother. How does he know? I don't know. I don't know, man. Back with Chris in the radio station booth, he's still calling for Jamie when Roy pops into the doorway screaming, What are you, crazy? I can lose my job! And Chris gets up and he runs away from Roy, who stops saying, Don't bother running, kid. There's nowhere to hide. With Chris, he's running down the hallway and we hear the loudspeaker call off another number. Chris tries opening another door, but it's locked. So he turns down the hallway, tries another door, but that one doesn't open either. And then he tries another door and it opens. And now he's in some sort of weird storage room. So he puts some boxes in front of the door, and he tries to hide while the loudspeaker calls out another number. And Chris looks at his slap bracelet, and the last number that the loudspeaker calls out is 859, and his number is 865. So it's getting close. With Jamie, I didn't understand what was going on, but he's the passenger in the hearse driving down the road. Mm Mm-hmm. Back with Chris, the lady calls out another number, and then we hear Roy screaming in the background saying that he's going down. And then from behind Chris, we see the black hooded figures, and then one in front of him grabs him as he's about to scream. With Jamie, the hearse comes to a stop and he gets out, and it turns out Daniel was driving the hearse. Yeah, there's a bit of a... I thought it was going to be Sid, the mechanic, but it's a ghost. No. It's just a ghost. Ugh. <sighs> Whatever. I have a lot of questions, but... We have no answer. I don't think there's any satisfying answer. No. Ghosts can drive. You know, Chris got there by himself, not driving a car. They should have had him, like, bike there, and then Daniel just materialized, but they chose this option. Yeah. They don't need the hearse. No. Completely unnecessary. It's so stupid. Maybe Daniel could have just teleported jamie yeah just like hug him and teleport him i mean they teleported in cutter's treasure and they weren't ghosts (laughs) inside the waiting room the two black robe figures are dragging chris to the back room he's yelling that they've got the wrong guy when in busts jamie and daniel and jamie's screaming hey leave him alone and chris screams for jamie as he gets dragged into the back room and we see that super creepy doorway to the afterlife and the camera pans over to see roy who says oh i'm gonna enjoy this (laughs) which is kind of ridiculous. It's just a little kid. He didn't do anything. The doors open up to that blinding light, and the figures pull Chris closer to the door as he yells out that, You gotta believe me, you made a mistake. In busts Jamie and Daniel, and he says, Stop! And Roy calmly says, uh, Excuse me, no cutting in line. <laughs> and Jamie calls out, That's my brother! He's not dead! And Roy stops. He says, Really? And Chris is like, Yes, finally! And then Roy's like, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Chris gets pushed through the doorway. I love that. It's the best part. Jamie came all the way there, like, for nothing. <laughs> it's awesome. Oh, he's just like, mm, nah. <laughs> Kill the kid. <laughs> didn't even think twice. <laughs> no, he didn't. The door slams closed behind him, and Jamie's screaming, no. And then there's this huge earthquake, which shakes Roy a bunch, but yet none of the boxes of papers that are behind him get knocked over but whatever and he says gee it's never done that before and daniel walks up to roy saying i'm daniel carpenter you fool and roy's like no you're not (laughs) i would have processed you already and he points to the door saying that's him and jamie walks up saying no it's not that's my brother and roy's all oh yeah prove it And we look at the door to the afterlife and it shakes the room a whole bunch more. And then it opens up and spits Chris back out and then it closes. Yeah. So that would have been uh, resolved whether Jamie and yeah, it would have been. Yeah. It's pointless. It's just kind of like convenient that Daniel was there now, I suppose. I guess. So they can slap that bracelet. Yeah. Like the outcome of Chris getting spit back out and Roy getting in trouble by God. (laughs) (laughs) would have been the same regardless of if Jamie and Daniel busted in there. Yeah. And really, this radio station is a physical place. Yeah. People can just wander in here. So I'd be very surprised if this actually was the first time that something like this happened. I mean, it... it, Like, I guess you could say that 
the circumstances of him being in the hearse and hearing the radio station is what caused all of it. But he could have just wandered in there on accident. Anyone could have just been like, huh, what's this place? Yeah. I'm going to apply for a job. Imagine this. You're getting chased by a criminal who is, you know, lurking in this dark alleyway. And you run into this building and you run up there and Gilbert Godfrey's like, well, where'd you hear about us? And you're like, oh, I was running from this criminal. And he says, oh, he must have killed you. And he throws a slap bracelet on you. <laughs> yeah. So it's a little silly. Jamie and Daniel lift Chris up. Jamie says, Chris, are you okay? Chris says, yeah, they rejected me. They said I wasn't dead. And they all look at Roy who says, uh-oh. <laughs> Chris says, they also said they wanted to have a word with you. And Roy's like, ah, great. There goes my pension. So he's got a pension i'm never gonna get a pension so fuck you roy what are they paying him in uh gum (laughs) (laughs) he already said he doesn't need money well he is dead too so Mm. jamie looks at his brother saying you really go to the other side and chris says i guess it all kind of happened fast over with roy he's like all right Let's not make a federal case out of this. So I made a teensy-weensy little mistake, and I was about to send an innocent young boy to his death. What? None of you ever ever did that before? Chris shakes his head, and Roy tells him, Look, you take the bracelet off your wrist, put it on his wrist, and we'll forget this whole thing ever happened. So Chris does that. He takes the slap bracelet off of his own wrist, and he slaps it onto Daniel's wrist. Roy laughs, and Chris asks Daniel if he's afraid it'll be horrible. And the afterlife doorway opens up to this glowing light, and Roy tells everyone, it's only horrible if you've led a bad life. If you've led a good life, it's the best thing going. And we get this angelic music as Daniel walks into the light of the door, and closes behind him, and the scene fades. And now we're outside the kid's house, and out pops Jamie with a baseball glove yelling, Come on, we're gonna be late! And next, out pops Chris. He's no longer dressed in his black clothes. He's got like a, I don't know, yellow shirt on or something. He's got a baseball bat, he stops, he puts on a hat, and he runs down with his brother, who ruffles his head saying, Welcome back to the real world, bro. And Chris stops, he looks down at that giant jar from earlier with that cricket in it. So big. And he opens up the lid, setting it on its side, and the cricket chirps and thanks, and Chris runs off to go play baseball with his brother. And that's the end of the episode. I thought that was a nice cap for the episode, bringing that cricket back. The cricket was a real MVP. (laughs) It was really nice to bring that cricket back. I didn't think twice about that cricket. I was no. too infatuated with Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> <laughs> what an episode. I mean, Gilbert Gottfried makes the episode. Take his character out or replace him with another actor and this episode's nothing. Yeah. You're right. You could say, oh, it's got Ryan Gosling in it, but I'm pretty sure this is his very first performance anyway, so shut up. This is Ryan Gosling before that mattered. Yeah. So he's just some kid who makes weird faces. <laughs> we didn't even really mention all of his weird faces. I'm sure you'll see them, though. <laughs> yes. I like this episode a lot better as an adult than I did as a kid. Back before this stuff was on a paywall on YouTube, you could watch them all for free. And I didn't watch them all because I had a job and I didn't have time for it. But I remember looking at the comments of Station 109.1 and somebody being like, this this episode was the least scary episode in the whole world. And um, I don't think it's the least scary. Like, it's it's pretty good. Whenever you talk about yeah. death and dying and stuff, it's kind of scary. Yeah, I guess. I mean, there's peril. Like, there's the threat of being sent to... Well, I mean, he probably wouldn't be sent to hell anyway, but... No. Either way, he doesn't want to die. Yeah. He's going to be sent to death. But it's not really scary, but it's one of those episodes that's just not meant to be really scary. Yeah, it's one of those... I mean, I guess Ron Oliver's good at doing this. It's an episode where it's kind of a little bit scary, but also pretty funny. It's his style. It's a Ron Oliver episode. Back at the campfire, Stick says, So... The next time you play a radio, listen close, because you might just pick up a signal just for you. And he sighs and says, Now, if you don't let me in after that story, you haven't been listening to me. Which isn't something that you should say. Kiki looks at Sam, Betty Ann looks at Gary, and they all stand up and they go into that huddle and they talk. Stig turns on his radio for some annoying reason and jams out for a second, and the gang all look at him annoyed. So he turns it off, and they huddle back to talk. They break up, and Gary says, well, like we said, it has to be unanimous. And Tucker pipes up saying, and you're in! And Stig stands up saying, cool! And he walks over to Tucker giving him a high five. What changed their minds? Hmm. I have to imagine, like, Kiki's probably the most vocally against him. 
I assumed it was I just, Sam. I, I can't imagine well, maybe it was what would make them go, yeah, okay. I guess maybe it's because he told two good stories. Maybe, but I think they all like all the stories. <laughs> That's true. There has, Well, you remember back in season one when they were like, Gary, the gang thinks your stories suck. <laughs> oh, yeah. Other than the time where Gary was shit. <laughs> and everyone hated him. <laughs> I don't know, man. I can. I mean, maybe if Stig was doing the Gilbert Gottfried voice while he was telling the story, that would be entertaining. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would. You know what, though, Brandon? I don't remember who tells what stories in this season, but it would not surprise me if Stig doesn't tell another story this season. So, I don't know. So he gives Tucker that high five, and then he bypasses Tucker and gives Sam a hug, who screams, ew, and pushes him off, Ugh. and he asks for He's a the hug worst. from the other girls, but they all say no, and Gary yells at Tucker, saying, control him or you're both out. So Stig and Tucker high five again and run away, Gary dumps the water on the fire, and then the episode is over. He's on the thinnest of ice, and his first reaction is to go grope Sam. <laughs> Just, ah, uh, get rid of him. I'm sensing this feeling that you don't like him for some reason. Mm, yes. I don't understand it. It makes no sense to me, Brandon, because he is the coolest. <laughs> He's the bad boy of the Midnight Society. <laughs> ow! Sexual harassment. Ow! Ow! <laughs> He's the goat. He's the goat of the Midnight Society. You need to just deal with it. He's got attitude. Baby, wears sunglasses. <laughs> he doesn't even night. have sunglasses. <laughs> Hat backwards. He's got wet, wet, slicked hair that's sloppy and ugh. Moral of the story, Brandon, don't miss the Clark and Ryan show. Fucking, you can't. You can't miss it. <laughs> no. Or you're a fucking Zeeb. Exactly. Also, don't trust ghosts. <laughs> yeah, right. They just want to get, get you into crazy mix-ups. <laughs> They want to kill you. I don't know why. Uh, maybe someday you can find out. <laughs> Let's hope so. <laughs> so, Brandon, the tale of Station 109.1. I don't like the name. You don't like it? I think it was pretty... No. I think okay it's too specific. It is a bit specific, yeah. Like you. It should be like the, the tale was. of the haunted station or something. Like, that sucks too, but just something <laughs> more general. Like the tale than of the Clark like... and Ryan show? That would work. Uh, I don't know. Like, the tale of death and dying. Um, the tale of the funeral. The tale of the hearse. Uh, tale of the lucky cricket. <laughs> right, okay. That's a boring name. Ouch. Yeah, I know. You deserve it. <laughs> you telling me you wouldn't watch an episode called The Tale of the Lucky Cricket, and then you watch it, and it turns out it's about a haunted radio station <laughs> run by Gilbert Gottfried? And you're like, what the hell does this have to do with anything? <laughs> and then at the end, you're bamboozled because that cricket's free. And you're like, oh. Okay. It symbolizes the whole, I get it. The tale of the world's first internet search. The tale of Giles again. <laughs> oh, Do you think he's going to come back as another old man later? <sighs> I just... He can't be another old dead man. He wasn't dead in Old Man Corcoran. He was dead. No, he wasn't. And so was everyone else. Everyone was dead. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Brandon, do you want to know what episode we have next? Yes. Let's find out what story Betty Ann is going to tell. All right. Well, the next episode is called The Tale of the Mystical Mirror. Who do you think is going to tell this one? Okay. That sounds more like a Kiki, honestly. You think Kiki already told one, though? I mean, I know that so? doesn't matter, but... That doesn't matter at all. Well, I can say that I don't remember who tells this episode. So, it could... I think it's going to be Sam, personally. Okay, well, you're wrong, but... Whatever, let's go with Gary, then. <laughs> all right. All right. He's like, guys, I got this we'll, great story about a mirror. <laughs> we'll compromise. And it's a Gary story. And Sardo's in it, and he's like, oh, mirrors or something. <laughs> That sounds feasible. What do you think the tale of the mystical mirror is going to be about? 
Um, Sardo's got this mirror in his shop, and <laughs> you look in it, and it like shows you, uh, shows you something. Shows you, yes, another dimension. I don't know. Another dimension, huh? Yeah, another dimension where people Vink, are in black morph suits. Vink is there, okay, because they're still continuing their adventures. Gary's gonna be like, oh. Frank and I still talk on the phone, and he said I can use Vink. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, Vink's in the mirror, and he tries to bring you over to the mirror world. All right, well, let's see next week if that's what it's going to be. Oh, totally. Yeah, right, right. I'd be surprised if it isn't. Me too. But for now, Brandon, I've been up all night. I'm out of here. I'm going back all to right. sleep. Me too. I'll talk to you next week. Yep. Bye. About to go lay in my hearse. Bye. I'll tune into you on the hearse. Bye, everybody.